All right, 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, our text is going to be verses 7 through 11. So as we are working through First John, as we look at our text today, recall that John has been teaching what he called his little children, his spiritual children, that the true measure of knowing that we know God and knowing that we abide in God is to obey his word. John also writes that whoever keeps his word, the love of God is perfected in him. So when we keep God's word, the love of God is going to be perfected in us. Now we know that God loves us perfectly. And later on as we continue through 1 John, we're going to see in the fourth chapter that John writes about fear involves torment, but perfect love casts out all fear. And John is talking about us getting a revelation and understanding of the reality that God's love for us is perfect. We know we're not perfect. We're far from it. We know, if we know the gospel, we should know that we do not deserve God's love. We do not deserve God's blessing. We do not deserve God's eternal life. But in spite of us not deserving it and having no way to gain it, God, because he loved us, gave it to us. So as Sinclair Ferguson says, the only reason we have union with Christ is simply because Christ loved us. And that's it. And so John writes, whoever keeps his word, the love of God is perfected in him. And what we're going to see today is that it's not just about God's love for us. That if God has put his love in us, that love in us is supposed to go out from us. And before John penned this letter, Jesus spoke the words that are recorded in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 15. And very simply, Jesus said this, If you love me, keep my commandments. So it is Jesus who linked our love for God to obedience to his word. In fact, it was long before Jesus walked this earth, born of the virgin. This has been the commandment of God since the beginning. It is in this context that John continues expounding on the importance of us walking just as Christ walked. And if we say that we know him, then we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. So let's read verses 7 through 11 of 1 John chapter 2. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother 
is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word and we ask simply today that you would, by your Holy Spirit dwelling in your people, illuminate this word, mold and shape us, renew our minds to your truth, Lord, in your grace, you have given us the mind of Christ, but we also have an old mind that needs to be renewed to that truth and to that mind of Christ. Father, as we look at your word today, do your work by your spirit and change us, change our hearts, change our minds, change us that we would be a people conformed to the very image of the Son of God. We thank you for this, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as we read this, John seems to be speaking in riddles, but he's not. He says, I write no new commandment. Then he says, a new commandment I write to you. And in verse 7, he begins this section here that we just read with these words, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. So he talks about an old commandment. It sounds confusing as he's talking about old and new commandments. But John is talking about the word or the message that we have heard from the beginning, which is to love God and to love one another. And he continues with this theme throughout this letter and his other letters. For instance, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, we'll read this again when we get there in weeks coming. 1 John 3, 11, John writes, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Then in 2 John, verse 5, He pins these words, Now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. So John is teaching us that message from the beginning is that we love one another. Now some commentators say What beginning? So the question is, what beginning is he talking about? Some commentators say this is from the beginning of the gospel, when they first heard the gospel preached. And I think that absolutely does apply. But I really believe that John is not just alluding to when they first heard the gospel preached after the resurrection of Jesus. I believe John is alluding to the message that we've had from the very beginning, the very beginning of creation. This command is recorded for us in Deuteronomy. It's the command to love the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6.5 You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12 is similar. It says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. 
These commandments did not begin with Moses. Moses penned those words. After the children of Israel came out of Egypt. But those commandments didn't begin with Moses and the giving of the law. This commandment is from the beginning, all the way back to the first man who was commanded by God, that is Adam, our first father, the father of humanity. Adam failed to love God when Adam sinned against God, when he rebelled against God. John evokes images from the beginning of mankind with his reference in 1 John chapter 3. Now, I read verse 12 to you. Let me read to you verses 11 and 12. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. John writes, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 12, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Cain failed to love his brother. That's obvious. He murdered his brother. But listen to the account given to us in Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Now Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? You think God did not know where Abel was? Absolutely God knew. God was asking Cain because he wanted Cain to locate where Cain was in his heart and in his mind. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, I do not know. Lie. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? That was Cain's question to God. And the implied answer is absolutely you are your brother's keeper. That's the implied answer to Cain's question. We are our brother's keeper. We are to keep our brother in love. We are to love our brother and so love one another. Who is your brother? It's one another. Your brother may be your sister. Your brother may be your mother. Your brother may be your father. Your brother may be your cousin. Your brother may be your co-worker. It may be the person sitting next to you in the pew. That's who your brother is. That's who the one another is. Jesus commands us to love just as he loved us. From the beginning, man was uniquely created to fear the Lord God to walk in all of his ways, and most importantly, to love and to serve the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. And when man sinned in the garden, he rebelled against his inherent command, this inherent command instilled in him by his creator. In failing to obey God, man failed to love God. Thus Jesus says, if you love me, Keep my commandments. We see in this command to love God, the command to love our neighbor also. To love our neighbor is to love one another. It is to love our brother. It is to love what and who God loves, the way God loves them. God's love was first demonstrated in the creation. It would be most fully demonstrated when Jesus laid down his life to save ours. 
We are commanded to walk as Jesus walked. That is to love God and to love one another. You cannot love and obey God and not do one without the other. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. If you do, you are a liar and the love of God is not in you. That's what John writes. Jesus gave us the teaching on the greatest commandment. When Jesus was asked, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied by quoting Deuteronomy 6.5. But he didn't just quote Deuteronomy 6.5. He also referenced the scripture out of Leviticus. Leviticus 19 verse 18. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge Listen carefully against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now the reason I say pay very close attention is because when you read the imprecatory Psalms, David writes of his enemies, I hate you with perfect, perfect hatred. And David is not contradicting the scripture. Because Jesus, or the Lord, commands his people, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor or your brother as yourself. I am the Lord. This is why critics... Say the Bible contradicts itself. The Bible does not contradict itself. It's that people don't read the Bible carefully. It's very plain right there. We just pass over because we want the Bible to say what we want it to say instead of what God has inspired it to say. The commandment to love God in Deuteronomy 6.5 and the commandment to love your neighbor in Leviticus 19 18 is together called the greatest commandment by Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus recorded for us in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That is quite a statement. That is quite profound. When Jesus walked the earth, talking to his disciples, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had come up with 613 commandments from God's word that they had to keep every day. 613 Every day. And if they broke them, there were various things they had to do in order to have their sin and their transgression atoned for. If you really stop and think about how the Bible teaches us about this system that God gave the children of Israel, not to save them, but to point out to them that they were hopelessly lost unless the righteousness of another come and be counted to them which is what happened. And all those sacrifices and all that blood that was spilt in the temple could not atone for man's sin. It could cover it temporarily in the grace of God, but it was only 
the sinless Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world, which means it was God's eternal plan before creation that Jesus, not Adam, Jesus, the last Adam, the second man, would come and save humanity. Jesus says, he reduces it all down to this right here. Love God and love your neighbor. On these two hang all the law and all the prophets. But hold on, that's not the end of the story. So we see John doesn't need to write a new commandment. He's simply reminding them of the commandment they have had from the beginning. From the Garden of Eden to Cain and Abel to what was spoken by the law and the prophets, all were looking forward to the present and eternal reality of God's love that we have given to us in Christ. Now listen to verse 8 of 1 John chapter 2. Again, a new commandment I write to you. Wait, hold on, wait. You just said, I don't have a new commandment. I have an old commandment. And now you're telling me you have a new commandment. John is not confused. Again, a new commandment I write to you. That thing which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So we have an old commandment. Now we have a new commandment. Just before Jesus was arrested and taken to be crucified as they were finishing the Passover meal and they are on their way to the garden, Jesus says to his disciples, it's recorded for us, I just read it to the children, John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. This new commandment does not replace the old one. In fact, it complements it perfectly. In fact, we see that the old commandment and the new commandment are actually commanding the same thing. Love one another as I have loved you. And in this is our love for God. So as we love one another as Jesus loved us, our love for God is is perfected. Let me ask you, Christian, when God forgave you, did you deserve to be forgiven? Absolutely, you did not. So you got what you didn't deserve, right? And what did we actually deserve? Joshua said it right during Sunday school. We deserve the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. That's what every single human being born on this planet deserves. Even down to the little babies. (gasps) Little babies grow up to be big people. Little babies don't deserve God's grace. I'm not saying God doesn't give it to them because he does. Just like he gives it to us. How are we saved? Young or old, it doesn't matter. We're saved by God's grace. Period. Period. You don't add anything to that to save yourself. None of us deserve God's salvation, but in His love, He gave it to us in Jesus. This old commandment, this new commandment, they're actually commanding the same thing. They're not different. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is to love your neighbor as yourself. Or as commanded by Jesus, it is to love one another as he has loved us. 
And when we obey this command, we are loving God. When we don't obey this command, we are not loving God. Both commandments, the old and the new, are one and must be true in us. Both are commanding us to love God and to love one another as he has loved us. This was the commandment from the beginning. This was the commandment even in the garden when God said, don't eat from that tree. God was saying, love me more than you love the desire for that fruit. A million yeses or more and one no. And what did man go for? The one no. And in going for the one no, he chose to not love God. We say he chose to disobey God, and it is true. But in disobeying God, he chose to not love God. And this is what John meant in saying, I write no new commandment to you. The commandment from the beginning, from the creation of man, was to love God. If we love God, what are we going to do? We're going to obey God's commandment. John writes of this commandment, this new commandment he writes, he said, which thing is true in him? It's true in Christ and it's true in you. The love of God is true in Christ and must be true in us as well. If we are in union with Christ, and if you have been saved, if you are born again, if you have been crucified with Christ, though you live, it's not you who live, it's Christ who lives in you. The I has been crucified. It's no longer I who live. If we are in union with Christ, the love of God has been poured into our hearts His love is true in us if we are in him and keep his word. John writes that the new commandment to love as Jesus loved is true in us because the darkness is passing away. The true light is already shining. It is true in us as we walk in the light as he is in the light. This is what the scripture, this is what we just studied in John. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk in the light even as, just as he walked. The light is shining in us. It is true in us as we walk in the light, as he is in the light. It is true in us as we have fellowship with one another, knowing that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It is true in us because we are in Christ, and Christ is the light. And so we too, by his grace, are light in the Lord. Paul writes these words in his letter to the Ephesians. You once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That is the grace of God. The darkness is passing away, John writes, and the true light is already shining. That true light that is already shining is Christ. It is the light of Christ that shines in us, his children who are called the light of the world. Not everyone is called the light of the world. Who are called the light of the world? His children. You need to make sure you note that. That light is made manifest in the love of Christ. The light of the world who is Christ. The light of the world, who is his body in the earth, is made manifest through the love of Christ. 
If we walk in the light, John writes, we do not stumble. Listen to the last three verses of our text here. John writes in verse 9, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light as there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not now and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We are to love all men. Would you agree? But we do not love all men the same way. I do not love all people the same way I love my wife. If I did, it would be a sin. My wife does not love all people the same way she loves me. If she did, it would be a sin. A parent can love all children, but they don't all love they don't love all children the same way they love their children. Do you follow what I'm saying? God so loves the world, true, he's given to everyone on this planet the sunshine, the oxygen, the wind, the rain, the beauty of this earth, the bounty of this earth. It is the common grace of God poured out to all men. God loves all men, but he does not love all men the same way. He loves his children. This is why God in the very beginning said, there is the seed of the woman coming to crush the head of the serpent. And God said, I will put enmity between her seed, there's one seed, and your seed, the serpent, there's another seed. Or Jesus said it this way, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. If you're God's child, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. There is a lie commonly believed. We're all God's children. No, we're not all God's children. We're all made in the image of God. We all bear the fingerprint of God, but we're not all God's children because that would mean we're universalists and no one's going to hell and the Bible then would be a lie. And the Bible is the truth. And not everyone is God's child. And God loves all men, but he doesn't love all men the same because he loves his children in a different way than he loves those who are not his children. It rains on the just and the unjust. God loves them enough to let the rain fall on them, but he does not love them in the same way that we may commonly think that he does. And this is why John is qualifying love for our brother. He's not telling us not to love other people, but he's saying you have a responsibility as children of God to love your brother, to love one another as Jesus has loved you. We have a responsibility to one another in Christ born out of God's love. As God loves his children in a unique way, we love one another in Christ in a way that is different than the way we love those who are of the world. If we are in the light, we love our brother. If we say we are in the light and we hate our brother, we are in darkness until now. John doesn't say you're responsible to love everyone in the world the same way you love your brother. He says, no, you're responsible to love your brother. First and foremost, as Christ has loved them. 
We're to show the love of Christ to everyone, but we have a responsibility that we're loving our brother in a way that we are not to love the world. If we are in the light and we love our brother, we say we're in the light and we hate our brother, we're in darkness. So if we are in the light, we love our brother. If we hate our brother, if we're not our brother's keeper, if we're not doing the things that are keeping our brother in our love, like Cain killing Abel, we don't have to go to that extreme. Is your attitude, are your actions, is your practice communicating love for your brother? And your brother may be your parent, it may be your spouse, it may be your co-worker, it may be your cousin, it may be your Sister, it could be anyone. Anyone who is in Christ is your brother. And John says, if we hate our brother, we're in darkness until now. It's not what we say, it's what we practice that determines if we are walking in darkness or walking in light. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. The stumbling here is not the stumbling of others, but the one walking in darkness. Do you get this? The salvation in question here is of the one who is failing to love his brother in Christ. John is saying, I hear your words that you love God, but I'm looking at your actions and something's not lining up here. I think you need to reevaluate. I don't think you really understand what you're saying here. He is walking in the light, or he is not walking in the light, based on his love for his brother. This is what John is teaching us. If we walk in the light, we don't stumble. Now, Jesus said in, in John eleven nine 9, and 10, he talked about working while it's daylight, because when the night comes, he stumbles because the light is not in him. There's 12 hours in a day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of his world, of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Ezekiel 14.3 Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts, idols in their hearts, and put them before them, which caused them to stumble into iniquity. Do you know Usually, when we're not loving our brother, it's because we're into idolatry. It's because we have set up an idol in our heart that is causing us to not love our brother properly. If we walk in the light, we do not stumble. That makes sense, right? That's logical. Idolatry is anything we put before God. It's anything, or we could say it like this, it's anything that causes us to fail to love our brother. That's idolatry. Idolatry is darkness and it makes us to stumble. Verse 11 of 1 John 2, But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Hating our brother is a form of idolatry. There is something that has come between us and God, something between us and our brother. If it's between us and our brother, it's between us and God. 
If I love God, I love my brother. If I love my brother, I love God. Do you see the link? Do you see the relationship Jesus makes here that John is making here? He who hates his brother is walking in darkness. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these words, you've heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not murder, quoting the Ten Commandments. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Verse 22, Matthew 5, 22. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Raka means fool. Idiot. Empty-headed one. But whoever says, you fool, not just empty-headed, but now he's, he's... He's ramping this up, is in danger of hellfire. In other words, Jesus said it's not just what you do. It's what you think in your heart. It's what comes out of your mouth. Just like adultery. You might not sleep with that woman, but if you lust after her in your heart, you've committed the sin. We see here that Jesus presents loving our brother in a very serious light. This is why John warns that hating your brother is akin to walking in darkness apart from the light of Christ. He who is in darkness does not have light within or without. To know where he is going, we can't know where we're going without light. The darkness has blinded his eyes, therefore he stumbles because the light is not in him. When we fail to love one another, we are in darkness. When we walk in darkness, we stumble. In Christ, we are to walk as children of light and not stumble. Again, the concern for stumbling here is not the brother we are failing to love. The concern for stumbling is for the one who fails to love his brother. It is the one who fails to love one another as Christ has loved us who stumbles. He stumbles because he is in darkness. The only light, the only love that can keep us from stumbling is the light and the love of God found only in Jesus Christ. If his love is not in us, his light is not in us, and we walk in darkness. And the darkness blinds our eyes. And Christ commands us to come to the light. The light came into the world, but the world, the Bible says, loved darkness more than the light. If you count yourself as being in Christ, love the light, flee the darkness. If you believe you love God, but you're having difficulty loving your brother, go to the Lord and ask that he would give you grace. This is why Jesus said, if you will not forgive, you will not be forgiven. Forgiveness is not something we deserve. It's something God gives to us freely. And to know whether we truly love someone, we have to be willing to forgive them. Now, that doesn't mean we forget the offense. It doesn't mean we forget the pain. It doesn't mean the pain goes away doesn't mean the the hardship of it goes away, but forgiveness is a choice we must make in Jesus. And to love your brother is to forgive your brother. Now, that doesn't mean you have a relationship. 
You know, I tell this to spouses very often who are having marital difficulties. And one spouse cheats on another. And the, the spouse who did the cheating will inevitably say, well, he or she's supposed to forgive me. And, and, and she just tells me she doesn't trust me. And I said, well, now, wait a minute. We're talking about two different things there. We're talking about trust and we're talking about forgiveness. We are commanded to immediately forgive. You don't earn forgiveness, you give it. But trust, trust is earned. And someone who's had trust violated, it's like parents and children. You know, child comes, the Bible says you have to forgive me, so, you know, let me have the keys of the car I just wrecked. You know, that new car. No, don't trust you. You're going to have to prove that you can drive that car without wrecking it. You're going to have to prove that you are going to not eat your candy before supper. You snuck in there and ate candy, so no candy until you can prove to me that I can trust you. I forgive you for eating candy before supper, but I don't trust you. You guys do understand the difference here, right? Forgiveness, we give it because God gave it. And this is part of loving our brother. So we come to Christ, we come to his love. We come into his light, and so we walk in the light as he is in the light. And he, he will keep you from stumbling. Let's prepare to come to the Lord's table. This is a table of thanksgiving. We are thankful because God has given to us in Christ what we do not deserve. I do not deserve his forgiveness. I do not deserve the grace he's given to me, but I am so very thankful that he has given it. I do not deserve to be in union with Christ, but I'm so very thankful that Christ loved me, and because he loved me, he has brought me into union with him. God looks past, thankfully, our imperfections. He looks upon Jesus and sees the righteousness of Jesus and so counts us righteous because of Jesus. Christian, as you trust in Jesus, as you love him and so love one another, welcome to the table. Let's all stand. Contrary to the cry of the culture, love is not love. God is love. And love is not disobeying God's word to be nice to people, which is what our culture demands today, that we disobey God's word in order to be nice to people. As Doug Wilson says, nicety is the besetting sin of the church today, and it is true. Love is not justifying what God calls sin to make our conscience feel better or to make us more accepted by individuals or the culture. And I'm not talking about any particular sin here. Any one of us can do this in any number of ways where we disobey God and we justify it in the name of love. Well, if we are disobeying God's word, it doesn't matter how loving what we are doing is or appears to be, it is not love. 
If we disobey him, we do not love him. And the church has got to come to grips with this. And we are the church, and that's why I'm telling you this today. Love is first loving God with all of our heart, with all our mind, our soul, and our strength. Love is keeping his commandments and his word. Love is loving our brother. It is loving one another as Jesus has loved us. Love is laying down our life for God and for one another just as Jesus did for us. Love is strong and firm and unyielding in the truth. Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as he ends the chapter. Now abide faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest of these. And he reminds us in that chapter that it is love that never fails. Amen.